You're listening to Season 6 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast with your host, Kate Donovan. Fried exists to hashtag end burnout culture, to help listeners release any shame, blame, guilt, or judgment that you have about burning out, and to create spontaneous moments of healing through recognition of shared humanity with other people who have experienced burnout and lived to tell the tale. Fried and its associated Facebook group are free resources provided for you from our hearts. Our paid work includes keynote speaking and one-on-one coaching. You can find information about that at katedonovan.com. And now, here is this week's Healing Packed episode. Hello, Fried fans! Season 5, we talked a lot about entrepreneurship and how hard it can be in entrepreneurship to keep your boundaries, to take care of yourself, to wear all the goddamn hats and not burn out at the end of the day. It was a big conversation and we are in season six now. And today I'm speaking to someone who wanted to come on and talk to me about bullying. Now we've talked about bullying on the podcast before, but it was an episode way back in season one or two. I don't even remember which one. And It's something that's been sitting on my heart ever since. On top of that, when this pitch came in, I literally wrote back to her and was like, are you kidding me? That was the best pitch I've gotten in like a year. So please come talk to me on my show. So today, because of her way with words, you get the benefit of meeting Zanika Chapman, who is here today to talk about bullying and her experience in the workplace. She's going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about all sorts of good stuff. So Zanika, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, fried family. <laughs> I love that already. I love my fried fam. And there's it, there's such a strong community behind this podcast is one of the things that I'm the most proud of. We have a really engaged Facebook group. We have really great conversations. And what I'm hoping for each podcast, my goal of each podcast is that every single person listening can take away at least one thing that they can hold in their heart. So Friday is always released on Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings, uh, you know, Eastern time. And people have come to call it burnout church. Which ah which I love. And so my my goal is that people can come here, fill their souls a little bit and take away one sort of key point, even when usually there's 40 in an episode, but at least take away one thing with them. So you guys in the Facebook group, what I want you to come through with this week is what really hit your heart in this episode? Because I have a feeling that we're going to have a few moments that we're going to feel a little uncomfortable and have a little bit of pain for each other and for ourselves. And I want to have that space open so that we can take this conversation off of the podcast and create a little bit of more space for healing those moments because we heal those moments in communities, I believe. Yeah, for sure. So now I'm just going to, I'm going to step back. I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to listen to your story. Oh, I was supposed to read your bio, but I got so excited about talking to you that I forgot. But I'm going to read it now really quick. Zanika helps women rediscover their inner strength and confidence after an encounter with a workplace bully. 
That sentence alone is just so great. As a trained journalist and communication strategist, she uses her unique background to help people identify what's no longer working in their lives, discover their unique strengths, and design an action plan to create a life they love. Okay, now you can tell your story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I guess, you know, let me take a step back kind of to help to add a little bit more color, right, to those words. So, you know, a few years ago, imagine getting your dream job. You've worked so hard. You took all the crap jobs, right? And you get the dream job with the nice elevators and the marble floors and the click clackers like they describe in Devil Wears Prada. And you're there, right? It's your mama, I've made it moment. Things are going great. You're on an amazing team. You're learning so much. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you think, I'm going in, you know, we're going to have a promotion conversation because I am crushing it. And the conversation that you actually end up having is, I've never had an employee who is as terrible as you. And I'm not paraphrasing. Those were the words. And I was crushed. And I mean, my mouth just dropped. Like actually, literally, you guys, if their video ever comes out, you will literally see my jaw drop. Yeah. And that was, that was a turning point. Um, and I had never, ever had that experience before. You know, I am, imagine, you know, you're, you're the girl or the, or the guy who does everything right. I am the rock star. Everywhere I go, people want me on their team. And to have a conversation that starts that way. And then there's a list of things that you're not doing correctly. And in that moment, I start taking inventory. I start saying, you know what, this is, this is the height of my career. This is where I want to be. This is the group I want to be on. This is the manager I want to have. So I start taking notes point for point. If I am not performing well, I've got to fix it. And, you know, this conversation happened on a Friday and I'm not going to tell you guys that I didn't cry, but I, I, I walked, I walked out of the building around the corner and I, I shed a few tears. And then when I got home that weekend, I mean, I went to work. I started researching every point on that list. How could I approve? What classes could I take? What resources did the company have to support me? And I took that back in on Monday and I said, hey, I hear you. And I do not want to be the weakest performer on this team. That is not who I am. I apologize. And I presented this personal improvement plan. Now, any of us who have been in corporate, we know that if a corporation wants to put you on an improvement plan, that is not a good thing. And, and my take on that was, I'm going to put myself on an improvement plan before I let anybody else. And she looked at me and she said, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need all of that, very dismissively. And from then on, I was, all of my projects were replaced with very administrative projects. I was excluded from meetings all of the relationships that I had built um, with colleagues, with VPs, people were asking, where, where is Zanika? Why is she not in this meeting? What's going on? And almost every week, there was another, you are, you are still weak. This is where you're, you continue to underperform. You are not a good writer. You are not a good communicator. And I remember saying, you know, every assessment, <laughs> every strength finder, every assessment I've ever taken, has said, you know what, you're, you're a great communicator. And so I just could not understand. And even, you know, in that role, we did a team retreat where we did our, our Clifton Strength Finders and we yeah. put them all up on the board. And that's supposed to help you do what? Understand each other's differences so that you can 
appreciate each other, collaborate better. I was told, see, this is why you're not good. All of us are in this area of the strength finders and you're over here. Very different, very opposite. That's supposed to be the strength. So even I was in an environment where even my strengths now were being used against me. Um, So that's kind of the series of it. And I didn't know at the time. Um, And it wasn't until several years later that I came out of that situation. I was describing it. I was trying to describe it to a friend. We were having some drinks. And I said, you know, she just, she was a bully. And we all laughed about it. We had a great laugh about it. But that stuck with me. Mm. And fast forward to June, July, summer of 2020. We all know in the States what happened that summer. Um, that was the summer that, that George Floyd was murdered. And so it sparked this whole conversation in the workplace about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I was in all of these different social media groups and on all these different chats. And I was hearing the stories of other women of color, mostly Black women, who were having identical situations to mine. And that was very scary to me that these women that I didn't know in in different states, in different industries were all describing exactly the same scenario. And that just prompted me to say, is this a thing? Is workplace bullying a thing? Is that real? Did I make that up? And come to find out, no, I didn't make it up. Actually 30% of American workers report being bullied. And we think- Well, slow down, slow down on that number. Yeah, according to the Workplace Bullying Institute, about 30% of American workers report having experienced being bullied in the workplace. And let's be really specific about that statement, because what we're not saying is that people have experienced bullying in their environments. They're saying they have been the victim of bullying. Yes, Let's be really specific about that so that we're like really clear on the fact that this is not just like, oh, I saw someone else being bullied. Yes. 30%, you guys, that's one in three. Yeah. And I and I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I think they've started to do some research on um, remote workers yeah. and that number is even higher. So now you think you're no longer being bullied in the office. The bullying has happened to you while you're sitting in your home. So I had a discussion with a friend of mine recently who called me and she was like, I feel like I need your help as a burnout coach. And I called her a couple of weeks later. I said, I haven't heard from you. What's going on? And she is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And she said, this is what's happening. This is what happened to me. I've quit and I've left, but it crushed me so hard that I literally don't know if I can go to work again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's go through this. Like, okay, like back up, let's talk about this. And we had a, we ended up having a great conversation, but the long-term, short-term and long-term effects of being bullied Mm -hmm. are not just somebody was mean to me. Right. Right. I mean, and I'll, I'll just tell you kind of what that looked like for me. So Imagine kind of where we started. I'm so excited. I can't wait to go to work, right? I was that person. I would leap out of bed to get to work. And I went from that person to, I could barely get out of bed. 
Um, usually if I did get any sleep, I was tossing and turning every night. I had to get fitted for a night guard from the dentist because I was grinding my teeth. Um, I had never done that before. The dentist was like, what is going on? I gained about 20 pounds, was severely depressed, um, almost daily. So if I didn't cry on the way to work, I cried on the way home because I was probably told some point during the day that I should not be here. I didn't deserve to be here. I didn't deserve my spot in this team um, while also still having to perform. I mean, you think about someone who, and, and I'm a communication strategist, so anything from marketing to writing strategic plans, um, it's critical for me to be able to communicate both you know, speaking and writing. And it was to the point where it would take me an hour to send an email that basically just said, hey, I'm following up on the email that I sent you because that was the level of scrutiny that I was getting. It was, well, why did you even reach out to this person? Why didn't you give them a deadline in the email? Why? It was just constant scrutiny all the time. And or, it didn't matter what you did. It didn't matter what I did. Um, and I know people will say, well, how do you know you really didn't suck? <laughs> I mean, okay, valid question. And and part of how I knew I really didn't suck was they never fired me. Yeah. Um, the my my annual review, I never had a terrible annual review. And you don't go from being above or or meet or exceed expectation in one month to being the weakest link on the team the next month. So all of the qualifiers that the company used to qualify me were there. There were no complaints from other colleagues that I was working with across the board. Um, There was none of that. So that's how I justified to myself that I was not the weakest link on the team. And I do want to say this about bystanders and why bystanders are important to those who are are being mistreated at work. Um, It had gotten to the point where I had one trusted friend at work. And she was kind of my go-to read over this for me, right? We all have that that friend at work that's like, hey, fact check this, double check this. But it was getting to the point where I was asking her to check everything, right? Because I was just that unsure of myself. And she finally said to me, she said, Zanika, I'm not going to do this for you anymore. Yeah. And and I kind of looked at her like, what? She said, I'm not going to do this for you anymore. And I'm not going to be complicit in allowing you to become this person. They are trash, admittedly, but I'm not going to sit by and allow you to do this for yourself. You read that email, you push send on it, and you move on to the next thing. And that was really the catalyst for me to say, she's right. Because I think particularly when, when you're a woman in the workplace and when you're a person of color, you know when you're being mistreated, but we all will start to lie to ourselves because we don't want to be that person. We don't want to be that person of color that says, I think I'm being discriminated against for whatever reason. And just having her say that she saw it and she understood was enough validation for me to say, okay, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I'm not going to do this treatment anymore and I'm moving on. And, and, right. I, and I did. Um, And there were some very serious conversations that I started to have with with my bully, who also was my manager at the time. Yeah. But ultimately, I did have to leave from that job. So and and the impacts of that in the short term for most people, okay, there's a big financial impact. Mm -hmm. Most people who are in a bullying situation, they have to leave. And usually that 
that comes at, at the risk of not having another job. Yeah. Because it comes down to your own psychological, mental, and emotional health over your financial health in, in some cases. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone, um, a friend of mine called and said, I need you to talk to my friend. She's really going through something at work. And she explained a similar situation. And I stopped and I said to her at some point, that manager doesn't want you there. You can't fix this. And I think another another sort of mechanism that gets turned on, especially for women and quite possibly also especially for women of color, I can't speak to that personally, but for women, I, I can speak to that portion especially as women, we want to fix it when it's broken. Like you said, in the beginning, I went home, I took notes. I was like, I'll fix it. Right. So she was, she kept trying to fix it yeah, and not getting anywhere. And I was like, listen, you're never going to, you, what you have to look at right now is that fixing it requires an interaction with a person that does not respect you at all. And that's not, you can't fix something by yourself. And I think we are so conditioned to fix it. If it's wrong, I will adjust. I will pretzel myself into whatever shape you need so that we can fix this, but you can't fix it alone. It's not, it's not possible. So the only solution in that is either that person gets fired or you leave. Like that's it. Yeah, I I think it ultimately does come down to that. I think the other thing for me, which was very humbling for me, was I had my whole identity wrapped up in that job. Yeah. In that place. And, you know, call it, it was, it's God for me, but I heard God say during that time, I'm the source. Mm -hmm. Give it all to you. And you think it's them that gave it to you. I did it. And I want, and and I think that was a test for me to not let who I am in my identity ever again get caught up in a job. I didn't say anything. I left a pause after that on purpose. That that pregnant pause was on purpose. First, because I was experiencing chills, and second, because I wanted people to hear that this is a constant message on this podcast. Almost everyone that's come on has said something about their identity being wrapped up in what they performed in the world. Absolutely. I mean, I even said it here that I was a rock star. Yeah. And I had my whole identity tied up into that. So that's what made the, you know, work hard, do the things, come up with the plan because my identity was... No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never the weakest on the team, right? I'm, I'm the go-to girl. I'm, I'm yeah. the one that everybody comes to. And yeah. that's what my identity was wrapped up in. Aside from also, this is the job to have. It was the dream job. Yeah. It was also wrapped up in, you're the best person on the team everywhere you go. Right. Which is another th- piece of data that you could have used or that you possibly did use to say, this is something's not right here. In addition to at that particular office, your annual reviews are okay, everything. But also you had a lifetime of praise behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And something's I, not right here. And I've never had another bad review ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you wrote to me and I wrote back immediately and I was like, are you kidding me? Can we talk <laughs> immediately? Right. That if And if that's what you're used to, that not having that, it's okay to ask the question. Mm-hmm. 
am I really sucking right now? Like, did I actually finally find myself in a place where I'm not shining? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, yeah. And, and you know, when you are getting constructive criticism that is meant to empower you, that is meant to make you a better person versus when someone is just trying to tear you down, being a dick. Yeah. You know what that feels like. And, And I often tell my clients, trust that. that feeling. Yes. Yeah. Is there an instance where you shouldn't trust that feeling? Well, I think that that is your intuition usually. And I think for most people, they don't know how to read it. Mm. Most of us, we haven't, we haven't really been taught how to trust ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We often tell people, trust your gut, trust your gut. It's such a cool, a cool thing to say, but we don't really teach people what that actually looks like. Yeah. So oftentimes I find where I get in trouble is when I do, right? When I was like, oh girl, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you knew the first time you, because I'll tell you, even in that role, when I first got there, the, the, the phrase that I heard most often was, oh my gosh, welcome to the team. We're so glad to have you. But you know, oh, you work for Bob and Bob is Bob. And after the first time you think, oh, okay, maybe it's just you and that person. But after three or four people say it to you, you start going, what, what y'all mean by that? What is Bob up to? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I soon found out. What Bob what is up did. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had an experience similar to that where people were saying, and I was like, listen, I'm not here to talk shit about the person in charge. Exactly. Like, that's that's not my role here. Like, you can have your own relationship with them. That's fine. A year later, I was like banging my head against the wall. Like, are you, are you, like, are you, what? Stop it right now. <laughs> what is going on here? And then somebody else would come in, a new person. I'd be like, listen, it's great here, except. <laughs> yes, yes. Gotta Bob. start giving, giving new teammates the tea. Bob <laughs> is here and it's a fucking right. problem. That's right. So you left this job. Did you leave it before having another job? I actually was very lucky in yeah. that um, I had a manager um, internal to that same company that um, a friend of mine, I later found out that same friend Again, bystanders, this is why you guys are so important. Had had a conversation with a VP. He had a position. He calls me and mm-hmm. he offered me the position. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came on the day that I had decided mm-hmm. driving into work. It was it was the start of a new year. And I just I, I had already had the conversation with my family. And I said, guys, you know, this is this is not gonna work anymore. And yeah. I, I need you all to just support me that. I'm going to leave this job without having another job. I just, I cannot do this. And I was driving into work that Monday morning after the start of the new year. And I got a call. I knew it was from the company. And I just said, you know what? Let me take this call right now because if this is some bullshit, I'm turning right back around and going home. I'm not even going in there today. And luckily it, it was the call that said they they want you to come and join oh. us. So I was one of the lucky ones. Um, I always say that I was one of the lucky ones because so many people do not get to do that. Well, and let's lucky ones also. And again, you have a lifetime of praise behind you. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yes. So I want to. And Both of those things can bit. be true at the Both, same time. Yes. Both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I, I want to talk a little bit though about the next job because yeah. this is where I often find so many women come to me for, for coaching because I soon learned that while everybody thinks that's the end of the story, it was halfway ever active. <laughs> the beginning of the job, the new job did not heal me from the trauma that I experienced in the old job. Say that one more time, please, for the people in the back. The new job did not heal me from the trauma that I experienced in the old job. That same person who didn't have any confidence, who was taking an hour to send simple emails, she went right on into that next mm -hmm. job. And so there was a lot of inner work that I had to do in order to get back to the person that's talking to you today. Yeah. But that shell, I was still that same shell of a person when I walked into that new job. I mean, I think I spent the first two months going, they're going to find me out. Gonna find <laughs> out. And she was right that I really was trash. And I, I, this cannot be happening to me. Yeah. So I want people to be very clear that there is some work that you have to do when you've experienced something like that. And it doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. It just means that you've been through a traumatic workplace experience and you need to take the time to center yourself and get back to who you are in the workplace or get back to who you are, period. Yes. And I, I will emphasize this times 1000. This is the same, whether it's bullying, burnout, whatever the hell it is. This remains true. If you are burnt out and you quit your job and you don't do anything with yourself, you're going to still feel like shit. Absolutely. It doesn't just dissipate into the air. I wish it did, but it does not. I, I mean, I wish it did too. I'm always telling people that through my speaking career and my coaching career, my goal is to put myself out of a job. Right. The, the hashtag that's associated with fried is hashtag end burnout culture. I'm here for it. I'm cool. If we put me out of a job. I am OK with that. I will. I am creative enough. I am smart enough. I will figure out another way to make money. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. But in the meantime. Use us, please. Yeah. Because the healing doesn't just happen and it's not necessarily about making anything happen super fast. It's about actually creating space for it to actually happen. Sometimes other people need to hold that space for you. Doing it for yourself is incredibly difficult mm -hmm. when you feel like a shell. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And, and one of the, the missions that I have now is to change what is acceptable in leadership and workplaces for all people. Um, I, you know, I, I put a very high priority on women of color because I feel like a lot of the DEI initiatives in corporate America have, have left us behind. Mm -hmm. um, but I am here to change the face of leadership. I think that we really need to reconsider what leadership looks like, what a strong leadership look like, who are we praising? Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many people just throughout, throughout my career who you know are bullying their team behind the scenes, but because the numbers look good, we don't care. And that is, no, like, that is now unacceptable. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you get into this new job. You realize you're two months in, you're like, maybe I am just an empty vase sitting on a table doing nothing. Mm-hmm. What happens next? So I want to say my new team really was a dream. I mean, and so many of that team, like we're still great friends to this day. My manager was amazing. Um, part of my story was some of the bullying did not stop um, just because there were, I, I I stayed within the company. So there were some remnants of that um, that spilled over. But really, you know, I, I, I had this moment where I'm looking at them and they are amazing and everybody's happy and we go to lunch and we have picnics and it's great. And I literally have to get up and go to the bathroom because I was in tears. I was that terrified that they were going to find me out, that they were going to be like, we traded the wrong girl. Um, and I said, this, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. This is not who you are. And yeah. you are either, if, if you continue to stay in this position, you let them win. Mm. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to put myself back together. And I actually took out that same strength finder assessment because once they had kind of ripped it apart, I put it in the bottom of my drawer. I mm-hmm. never looked at it again. And I said, screw you, strength finders. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, now I'm in a, a new role. And so I have the excitement of a new role and I've got new projects and it's, well, how, how are you going to get this done? And I said, you know what? What am I really good at? And I pulled out that strength finder and I read it again in this new position with these new coworkers. And I said, oh, well, I'll be damned. Strength finder says I'm amazing at communication. (laughs) And so I started to tailor the job to my strengths. But one of the things that, that really even bigger than that was once I saw on that strength finder, that what they said was not true in black and white. They said I wasn't a good communicator, but my actual assessment says that I was. I went back to old assessments. Communication was always at the top. I've never, ever, ever not been a great communicator. And I started to say, what other lies did they try to put in your spirit that are not true? And so I started to peel back all the lies and I got very clear about what was true. And I need that sentence again though. I need to go. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I need that sentence again. I need people to hear that again. What what other lies? Do yeah. you remember what you said? What other lies did they try to imprint in your spirit that are absolutely not true? That makes me cry. And that is one of the core functions of my work because so many people who come into me from, you know, if it's not just bullying, but it's toxicity. Those environments have a way of making you believe things about yourself that are not true. So what's the lie that your environment has tried to put on you that is absolutely not true? And then replace it with actual truth. Even if it's things that you just know in the core of your spirit to be true. So one of my, my, my top one from that experience was I am not a great communicator. And I just said, the devil is a liar. I'm a great communicator. (laughs) (laughs) And I have actual stats to back that up. Not only that, people enjoy talking to me. People would come by my desk just to ask me, how 
what happened at the meeting last night? I'm funny. Whatever those things were, I would ground myself in that every single day. And then I had to acknowledge what I went through because Mm -hmm. most of the time, I hate to break it to y'all, everybody who's running the HR, go to HR, get an HR, get a, that's what everybody tells you, like get an HR. Usually HR is not going to help you. So you have to learn how to validate the experience for yourself so that you can move forward without resolution from the company. Because so many women, that's why they can't move forward. You'd be surprised when I start coaching people, we spend the first two sessions where they're like, but I just got to tell you what she said. (laughs) And it's like, same girl, same. And it's like, you have to get to a point where you just validate your own experience without resolution. And you have to let that go. And I'm not upset with companies. They just don't have the tools to deal with this. They don't even know most of the time that this is even a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm upset with them a little bit. I'm upset with them. I, I shouldn't. Yes, I hear what you're saying. But you have to get to a point where you understand that you're not that person's probably not going to get fired. No. <laughs> and and if they are. do, if they do get fired, it's going to be like four months after you left and you're going to be like, <laughs> what the they're actual... They're probably not going to get fired. I mean, probably what's going to happen to them is they're going to get restructured. Yeah. This is a conversation that a, a client of mine, she's so funny and I adore her. And she would start all of our sessions going through like big, big stories of all these things that people did to her and what they did. And every single time I would interrupt her and say, yeah, but what's the actual story here? Mm-hmm. What are the two lines that describe this situation Without all of this noise that you're getting caught up in that we can actually address. Yeah. And I think part of that, one of the things that I ask my clients, because oftentimes a lot of us just don't want to, we don't want to go there. And so one of the things that I talk about and I push people to be very specific is you can tell me the story, but tell me the feeling. Let's acknowledge the feeling because mm. oftentimes we just want to say, oh, it didn't bother me or, well, I felt some type of way, which I hate because how did you actually feel, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's part of what's keeping us so bottled up and we don't have confidence and we're looking over our shoulders and we hate all of our coworkers is tell the story, but acknowledge the feelings. Like it's yeah. okay to say I was bullied at work and that shit hurt. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that I went to my leadership and it wasn't addressed. This episode of Fried is sponsored by our partners at Qly.ai. If you're struggling to make healthy changes in your workday that will lead to long-term well-being, I might just have the solution for you. Qly.ai uses a combo of your input plus magical AI technology to help you build healthy habits into your calendar, Slack, or Teams for as little as the price of one fancy coffee a month. By syncing with your calendar, learning your habits, and using its customized formula, Qly will send you break notifications at convenient times throughout the day, reminding you to do things like take a walk, eat your lunch, drink more water, and more. By learning your schedule, Qly will cue you when you actually have a moment to take action. 
When you're burnt out, making changes can be hard and feel overwhelming. Hewley is designed to make it easy and to move with you through your burnout recovery journey. To get started with a 25% discount, head to Qli.ai forward slash fried. Fried fam, how often have you heard me tell you to update your mugs or the blanket on your couch? I am so thrilled right now to tell you that I am now partnering with Barabi, that's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y, to bring you the most comfortable and most comforting blankets on the market. Barabi offers a variety of weighted blankets, including the tree napper, which is a cooling option for those who get too hot, the velvet napper, which is made of ocean-bound plastic bottles, plus They make the Hug It, a sensory knot pillow that will help you find calm, reduce anxiety, and bring your nervous system into a more regulated state. If I were you, I'd get one yesterday. You can find them on Instagram at mybearaby or online at bearaby.com. That's B-E-A-R-A-B-Y.com, and that will be in the show notes. And please, for the love of all that is holy, this is a reminder that stressed is not an emotion. Mm. It's a state. Mm. If you're telling me you feel stressed, you are avoiding the actual emotion, which you might be avoiding because you don't really know, which is fair. Yeah. Because we don't learn those things. So it's this is not a this is not a blame situation. But if you're saying you're stressed, it's because either you don't actually recognize the emotion that you're feeling, or you're unwilling to admit that that's the emotion that you're feeling. Right? Yeah. Stress is not an emotion. So good. So let's just take that as a reminder for a moment. And you all know my lovely listeners, my fried family, you know what my favorite emotion is. You know, I love resentment. I just love it. If you've been around long enough, you know why. If you haven't, a Google search for it, you will find it. But stress is not an emotion. So if you find yourself telling a story and just constantly talking about how stressed you are, how stressed you are, how stressed you are, I want you to stop and take a minute and figure out if you can. What is the emotion that you're actually feeling? And if you can't, get some help to figure out what the emotion that you're actually feeling is. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't make the shifts and move through things and reconcile and have those moments if we don't know what to address. We can't because we're not addressing the situation. The situation's gone. Yeah. The situation is gone. Yes. So then you're working this new job. You love this team, but you're here now. So what happened? So what (laughs) happened was, um, (laughs) I also didn't tell you. um, So just before the pandemic, I was in a really bad car accident. And yeah, it was really bad. Um, and anytime you're in a situation like that, where you really come close with how fragile your life is, it makes you think about what do you want to do with it? And so I definitely feel like I, I don't want to say I'm on borrowed time, but I was definitely given another chance. 
And I wanted to think about what did I want to do with my chance? Kind of like Hamilton, don't throw away your shot. And 2020 is happening and I'm kind of already pursuing, what do I do with this speaking talent? How do I help people? Starting to pursue personal development and positive psychology and coaching and all of that. And I'm looking at all of these women and all of these groups who are talking about these bullying scenarios. And I'm looking at the women in, in my immediate environment who want to do these really amazing things and want to start businesses. And I kind of said, there it is. That's it. Because when you, and, and because so many women of color have experienced something similar, maybe they're, they're not sure if it was bullying, but they definitely know, you know, I haven't been treated well in, in some of my positions it is that lack of confidence. It is not having that encouragement, not knowing how to trust your own intuition. And if you want to start a business, which so many people did in 2020, or I want to start a nonprofit, or I want to do more. If you don't have the confidence and you're not able to trust your own decision-making ability, that's going to be very hard. And I couldn't figure out why so many women close to me were starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting and stopping until I got the tools to really say, oh, I understand that. And I understood how spending so many years in a corporate environment could hinder a person from moving their life forward and doing something different. And so that was when I decided to really take on this work of helping women and women of color to really reconnect with who they are outside of work. It's cool if you still want to have a job. It's cool if you still want to go with the corporate ladder because we need you there. It's hard to have change when you're not in the system. And so there are some of us who are going to say, you know what, after these experiences, to hell with that system, I'm going to build my own. Great. I'm here to support you. But there are also some who will say, I've had a really bad experience. I need to figure out who I am again. I don't know if I want to separate completely from this system, but I do know that I need the tools to go bigger and go beyond what I even believe is possible. And so that was kind of the impetus for me being here and starting my company and starting to help women in that way. And then um, earlier this year, a friend of mine said, what about these companies? <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, Kate, for a long time, I was really scared about wanting to do the corporate work. And I really felt like, you know, my work is really supporting the individual because there aren't enough programs that are actually gonna speak to and support black women in the way that it needs to. But I, once she said it, it was like, damn, you put it in there. <laughs> and so now there is this other piece of my work that really is helping companies understand how do you implement effective coaching strategies with your leadership team. Because if you're coaching, it's really hard to bully somebody and be a coach. Now I know some of y'all sports people are gonna be like, well, what about, I know, I know. <laughs> but usually yeah. it is very hard. And I just believe that there are a lot of good people who are just really bad managers who haven't been given the tools to support people effectively. Um, and I, I want to be able to support those leaders who want to be able to implement effective coaching strategies as they build their teams. As they build their equitable teams. There you go. There you go. 
That has to be part of it. And one of the things that we talk about so frequently with burnout is that in order to recover from burnout, there has to be a sense of safety. Yeah. And as many places of safety as you can create within the workplace, within the home, within the relationship, within even if your desk is too messy and makes you feel chaotic, like clean that shit up. Like we're talking all even the most basic things. If your blanket on your couch is too scratchy, like get a softer one. Like That's right. All of those things are really important. Creating safety is really important. And in a workplace, that translates into psychological safety. Absolutely. And I and I believe, and I, I posted something on my LinkedIn that just basically said, you have a right to that. Yeah. When you go to work, you have a right to psychological safety. And I believe that if someone's going to raise their hand and say, you know, I want to lead this team, I want to be the, the person that supports these people, it's your responsibility to create that psychological safety. Which you might not know at all how to do because you've never experienced it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that in the corporate world, we have this like horrible, toxic thought that if you get promoted to manager, you can't say, I don't know how to manage people. Right. Because most of the time, most people are getting promoted because they're great at their job. Not because they're good at managing people. Not because they're good at managing people. And so... And then they don't, they don't feel safe to say, I've never managed people before. Do you think you can get me a little help? Is there a resource? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that my husband went through. He many years ago was promoted to a manager position and he did it, had a 360 done. He works in a big corporate office. So a 360, for those of you who don't know, is a, uh, an assessment that's often done in corporate settings where you are looked at from the point of view of your peers, your um, bosses, and also anybody that's under you in, in any way, shape or form. Anybody that works for you was on your team. So they get a 360 degree view of how you are viewed in the workplace and from his bosses and his peers, my husband had like, you know, 4.9 out of five. And from his employees, the people that worked for him, it was like closer to a three and he cried. Yeah. He came home and he was like, I, this has been awful. I've hated this the whole time. I don't know how to do it. And he was pulled out of a manager, managership position at that point. And, and he requested that, like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not ready for this. I don't want to do this for a few years. He said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a manager. A couple of years ago, he got pulled into management again, this time from a different perspective with different knowledge, with different information and with more resources. And he just got his first assessment from his team and he scored the highest in his company. Good for him. Right. Like, but that's it. This we're talking about a seven year span of growth and learning. Yeah. That he actually took to heart, you know, like, so this is a, this is a really big deal. This is a hard thing to do. Managing people is not an easy skill. That's right. You got to be ready for it. And, you know, oftentimes I don't think that people think about the people aspect of managing people, right? We think about the titles, we think about the money, we think about the accolades, and oftentimes the, oh, this is a real person that's sitting across from me that's telling me about, you know, their son who's having an issue, or, you know, I lost my mom last night. And if you don't have the skills to be empathetic, to be supportive, to encourage the rest of the team to say, hey, now we've got to pick up the slack because Danica is going through something personally, you are not going to be an effective manager. And if you don't even have, and, and if you don't even have the knowledge of understanding, everybody on that team needs a different manager. Yeah. 
right? You yeah. can't even manage all of us the same. Yeah. And most people, and I and I just think that most companies do their new leaders such a disservice yeah. by not offering that, if offering them that. So kudos to your husband, but I would also say shame on that company. You promoted him, the data came back. Now offer him some tools in the role yeah. so that he can improve while he's in the role, right? Oh, he was not into it. I mean, he got what he wanted out of it. So it's fine. You know, yeah, like it's okay to go. But that's how companies do, right? Yeah. You don't train, you don't train people to be people leaders. Yeah. No, not good people leaders. You don't really help them out. You just kind of say, uh, well, we'll move you over here or we'll let you keep this title, but now you don't have any direct reports. And yeah. the person doesn't know if he, most of the time, most companies don't even do a 360. So the person yeah. doesn't even know. I'm kind of not a great manager and they think they're doing a bang up job and they're out here just like, you know, <laughs> going into meetings and everybody else. And that's the other thing in corporations, right? Everybody else knows like, mm-hmm, we Bob is really failing. <laughs> okay. You coming in here like you the man, but we know what's going on. Yeah. And I just don't, I think that does people such a disservice. Yeah. I think so too. I think it does everybody a disservice in the company. Um, What do you, I want what I'm, I'm trying to formulate an idea because there's so many things that you said today that were so important. And what I, I'm trying to think about what my sort of first, my big takeaway from the show is my big takeaway from today is this idea of, of you know, sort of what lies have been implanted on your spirit. Like this, this was big. For, like I, I, when you guys, when I said I cried, I actually cried. I like had to wipe tears off my face in the middle of the show, um, which I'm okay with, <laughs> just part, which is part of it. So that was really big for me. But I think that there's this, there's a reckoning that needs to happen. So is there something that you would say to people that are listening to this and they're like, oh my God, what if I'm getting bullied? Like if that is starting to happen right now, what, what, what's like step number one? So if you're finding that, you know, you think based on this conversation, maybe I'm getting bullied. The first thing that I want to say to you is it's not about you. Mm. And you have to know that the bully is just looking for a target. It could be anybody's day. It might just be your day, but this situation is not about you. Um, And the other thing that I would say is it's probably not going to get better. And I know that that sounds somber, but the reason why I want to put that out there is I don't want anybody else spinning their wheels, staying up late, spending their money, taking online courses, trying to prove something to someone who is not going to change their opinion about you. And in turn, take that energy, start to reject the lies now. Because if you're thinking, oh, I could be getting bullied, there's already something that that bullying culture or that toxic culture has done and said to you that you've already started to internalize. So I want you to dig deep and go ahead and start thinking about what is that thing? What is that thought? What is that belief? And start to ground yourself in truth 
every single day while you work your exit strategy. Yeah. At the same time, do you think that like when you described it just now, the thing that's going through my head is like, this is like being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Thinking you can fix it. If you just act Mm -hmm. right, then you won't get smacked. Like, right. And it's not going to change. It's not going to get better. Like that's not going to happen. But do we find the same sort of um, inherent difficulty in leaving because of the confidence breakdown, because of the, right? Yeah, I think, so I've, I've seen it with most of my clients is there is, now most of my clients are on the other side of it um, yeah. because it's, it's really difficult to kind of coach somebody when they're in it. And I'll be honest. And I think that's where you need to build your community of trusted friends and advisors, mentors, family, therapists, your medical practitioner even can help you with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's always that fear because you have that, like, what if I'm not good enough? Right. Yeah. Or there's even that you just, you just end up feeling stuck. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, we know finding a job can be another process. And so people just end up getting stuck in this cycle of hopelessness. Yeah. And if that is you, it's a normal part of what you're going through. It's a normal part of being in a toxic work culture, being bullied. So you will have that but that is again why having your tribe while you're in the moment is so important. And I, I also just want to take a minute to say that if you were abused or bullied in your home, it might take you an extra minute to recognize that you're being bullied at work mm-hmm. because this feels like normal behavior to you. You, yes. Right. And that's not, that doesn't have to be true. In yes. the long term. And and it starts setting those boundaries, right? So there was this sense for me of the only way I can fix this is to work harder. Yeah. Um, so start setting those boundaries, whatever those are. I know it's hard because I know there's negativity associated with um, you know, when I would get up and go to the gym. Because during that time it was pre-COVID and I would I would do a lunch workout. Yeah. And there were times when I I could see the nasty looks or I could see the dirty looks or all of a sudden the emergency would pop up and I couldn't work out. That's fine. I just did it when I went home. You know, so set whatever those boundaries were or, okay, great. Y'all are offended by me going to the gym. I'll just walk away from this still in the middle of the day and take a break. Yeah. I'm going to do my best between the hours that, that you pay me for. And I know now that's called quiet quitting. I'm like, I think it's just boundary setting, but you know, (laughs) I'm going to give you a solid day of work. And after I've given you that solid day of work, I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to add the social element back into my life because I need my friends right now more than ever. Yeah. I have been told that it's, less safe for black women to set those boundaries than it is for white women because a white woman can get away with more. A white man can get away with even more, right? That setting those boundaries might be putting you in a position where you're going to lose your job. You're going to, you're, you're already at risk for being skipped over for opportunities and this is going to make it worse. So how do you, how, how do you handle that? Yeah, it definitely can be. And I've even found, um, when I am mentored at work, um, 
And, and one of my really good mentors is a white woman and I woman and I constantly feel like I am reminding her that there are things that you can say in this environment that people will say, oh my gosh, she's so passionate. You know, she she might she might come off a little crazy, but she's just passionate about her work. That if I go in there and say exactly the same thing, it'd be I the angry black it. woman. Why am I so angry? Yeah. Anika is not a team player. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there are those nuances that Black women face in in corporate America. But I also think after going through what I went through, my personal, this is my personal stance is, why am I going to kill myself for a job that if I die tomorrow, they won't even trouble themselves to call my mother and send her a card, right? Because now I have clarity on what is important to me. And I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything when I set boundaries for myself. Now that's me. I don't carry that burden anymore of trying to show up as the leading, the main character anymore in their story. I'm the main character in my own story. And the main character in my own story requires rest. She has boundaries. She goes on vacation. Because if we're going to be in this corporate structure, we are allowed that. Mm. We are allowed that the same way our counterparts are. So I even tell people now, I'm not afraid of anybody saying that I'm angry. Mm. Because sometimes when you've gone through what I went through, I've got a right to be angry. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being and I get to experience the full range of emotions as a human being. And I'm no longer going to apologize when I feel emotions. So I personally, I don't carry that anymore. I let that go. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I don't take work personally anymore. You know, my identity yeah. is not wrapped up in, am I going to get the next promotion? You know, am I going to be the only black woman in this group? If, if, if God says I'm supposed to, then I'm supposed to. And guess what? There ain't really nothing any of y'all can do about it anyway. <laughs> it's promised to me. I'm going yeah. to have it, right? So I just believe that I'm going to have the career that I want to have, I'm going to hit the goals that I said I'm going to hit and I'm going to do them well-fed, well-rested while working out. Amen. <laughs> and that is just how I, how I approach it. I would love to give a shout out right now on that regard to someone that I follow on Instagram, who I love. Her name is uh, Trisha Hersey and she is um, the nap ministry. Oh, I love her. She's the best. Right. And she always says the words rest is resistance. It is. I actually just taught a masterclass on the very same premise last Mm. week, but you would be surprised how often, because majority of most of my clients are black women. And it just seems like this concept of rest is so foreign. We struggle with it. We have this like, and even my mom said it. It's like, if you're sitting down, it's like, what you doing with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we've just, you know, we, we've just taken that on. And, and we, we do have, you know, 
most of, I don't want to say most of us, because I don't want to speak for all Black women, but you, you do have this, this thought that when you come into the corporate world, even though we like to say, you know, we are not a monolith, but you do have this, like, I have the, I have, I have the weight of my community with me. Yeah. And so I have to represent a certain way. Mm-hmm. And usually I think in the past, I think this is changing. Thank you, pandemic. But one, one of the things <laughs> that came out of the pandemic though, is we would do that to the detriment of ourselves. Yeah. And so I do think a lot of black men, women were burning out very quietly because that's not something that a black woman can say. Yeah. Rest is for white girls. We are strong. We get it done. Yeah. We got time to rest. You got stuff to do, girl. And I think now in this season, we are starting to reclaim that. Yeah. We are starting to really reclaim our time and reclaim rest and what that looks like and what it even means to be successful. Yeah. So I think the NAP ministry is a great Instagram to follow if you want to encourage this rest is resistance within yourself. I think that that's important. I think that that really just, it just matters to take time for yourself and there might be some consequences and that might just be fine. It might just be okay. It might just be okay. But I, but I even think there's even, you know, we'll run that down, right? If I take a break, what, what consequence am I really fearing? Yeah. Is that real or is that perceived? Yeah. Well, so my mother used to say to me, um, you know, what your brain doesn't fully develop until you are like over 25. And yeah. so your ability to understand risk, true risk is the thing that develops last. So when we were growing up, when there was something going on, I wanted to do something. I was asking permission for something and she would sit down and she would say, okay, well, here, can you name all the consequences of this action? And she would make me come up with like A through C, A through D, A through E, if I could do it, how many consequences are there of this action? The good ones, the bad ones and everything in between. And then she would ask me, will you be okay with all of these consequences? Like, can you handle Mm -hmm. all of these consequences? And if I said yes, then oftentimes I'd be allowed to do it. Even if the thing was pushing boundaries a little bit, you know, she'd be like, all right, but if E happens, which is your least favorite of these options, I don't want to fucking hear about it. That's right. You want to handle it, you handle it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, and I encourage people to do that, especially if we're talking about like taking rest from work. You know, I think people think that like the building's going to burn. I'm going to get fired. Like, nobody's yeah, like what are the actual, sit down, write it down. What are the actual consequences of this action? Like what's really, what's really going to happen? Yeah. What's really going to happen? And can you handle it if it does? Yeah. I promise you, you can. Yeah. Or even, you know, try like just not checking your email for an hour. Just shut it down and focus on a project that you have at work. Yeah. So there's there's lots of different ways to kind of take think about rest from a from a work perspective. Just try try which one feels the most yummy to yeah. you right now. Yeah. I did a workshop on boundaries recently and people were like, but we don't know how to do this and we don't have any practice. And I said, you guys, none of us know how to do this. It's practice for all. It's practice for everybody. You know what, though? I'm going to argue we all do know how to do it, because if you've ever spent time with toddlers. Oh, they know how (laughs) they will put that little finger up at you and they will tell you no. 
in a minute. <laughs> we just lose it along the way. But we, we all do. know how to do it. Yeah. And somebody said, you know, it's just, it didn't happen in my family. Like people just are all up in each other's business. And I was like, I grew up with 36 cousins. Yeah, I, I hear you. Also, because it's been happening in your family, um, you can be the, you can you can be different. You can. I, I heard Megan Good say this one time. Someone was asking her about generational curses yeah. and how do you do that when you you know how do you have a successful relationship when your family has generational curses? And she just looked up. She said, "Break the curse." Yeah, it's that simple. Stop the cycle. I think that's a beautiful place to wrap up because I did keep you slightly over time today, but I was um, enjoying your voice and your wisdom and your communication style. <laughs> My number one. Your number one <laughs> strength finder. Thank you very much. Zeneca, <laughs> if people need to find you somewhere. Yes. If you guys want to find me somewhere, um, I am very active on the socials. So it's Zanika Chapman on Facebook and LinkedIn. And then it's Z underscore Chatman on Insta. And if you want to just hop over to my website, it's just ZanikaChapman.com. ZanikaChapman.com. All of those things, as per usual, Fried Fam will be in the show notes for you. So you don't have to remember any of them. I'll have them for you to make things easier. But what I, I want you to know that if if this really hit you, it's time to make some difficult decisions, maybe, but you deserve to make them and you deserve for it to get better and you deserve to have support to make it through. All right. Okay. Until next time.